and welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we conclude Man Month. This has been a time that we have celebrated our fathers and we have learned what it takes to be a father according to the Word of God. With today's sermon entitled Finding Nemo, here's lead pastor Rex Johnson. But I'm going to talk about the greatest, I really am, the greatest uh, epic man film ever. See, we're, we're, still, we're still in man month, so I'm talking to men today. I'm talking to dads today. This is the last Sunday of man month. Next Sunday, we're opening a series called Miracles. Anybody need a miracle in your life? Huh? We're going to talk about miracles. The whole month of July, we're going to talk about miracles. Might even go into August. But today, I am speaking on an epic man's film. It's simply entitled, Finding Nemo. How many of you dads ever seen that film? Come on, how many of you ever seen that film? How many of you ever seen it twice? Three times? Five? You know why? Because you got kids. What you don't realize is there's a great story in that story. There's a great story. Many of us are just like Marlon in that film. In fact, I want to I'm gonna bring out the characters here. Throw them up. There's Marlon. Marlon's a clownfish. That's what we feel like a lot of times. And there is there's Nemo. He's got a he's got a, a foreshortened fin. He, he don't swim just right. You know he swims crazy. Then there's Dory up there. She has short term memory loss. And she complicates the encounters with sharks and jellyfish and a host of ocean dangers. But this. This dad, this clownfish, is trying to find his son, okay? And the son, the son is, uh, he swam too close to the surface one day to try to prove himself. And he's caught by this diver. And horrified Marlin sets off to find him. Now, the, the animated film is, is tremendous. And when I sat there, honestly, I, 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 it's going to absolutely show my age but it was a long time ago, but, it's, but I cried in that film. I did. I also cried in Up. Anybody ever see Up? In fact, I can cry real easy now. I think it's just part of where I am. I don't think I'm that sweet. I think it's just where I am. But meanwhile, Nemo plots his escape from a dentist's fish tank. He's in a dentist's fish tank, and you know how he gets out of there. We're not going to go into that. But the animated film is filled with uncertainty and calamity about an adult fish's search for his son. It's an undeniable message in the movie, Finding Nemo. And here's the undeniable message, that a dad will face his own fears. Number two, he'll go head to head with his own insecurities and questions. So number three, he can be reunited with his child. I know you dads love deep. I know you do because I've been your pastor, many of you, for a number of years. And I know you have hearts that are as deep as the ocean. You have love as tall as a mountain. And you're great, great men. And I believe this movie, this little movie here, relates to all men. And I'm not going to stay on this movie long. But many guys thought if I was going to preach about men, I'd bring up somebody like Jack Bauer or, or Rocky. Or remember the Titans. Come on, guys. Let me be soft a little bit here today. 
We don't need some action clips from famous lines. These people like Jack Bauer says, I've killed two people since midnight. <laughs> Haven't slept in over 24 hours. So maybe you should be a little more afraid of me than you are now. Or Rocky says, life is not about how hard of a hit you can give. It's about how many you can take and still keep moving forward. Or Coach Boone, the real Coach Boone is there. said, I don't scratch my head unless it itches. And I don't dance unless I hear some music. He said, I will not be intimidated. That's just the way it is. That's what I'd like to preach. No, we're going to go find Nemo and his dad, the clownfish Marlin. With lines like, here's Marlin's line, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. I died, I'm dead. That's Marlin. Show me a dad, though, who will do whatever it takes to reach his kid, and I'll show you a real live action hero. A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, unappreciated heroes in all humanity. Pope John the 23rd said, it's easier for a father to have children than for children to have a real dad in their life. I believe there's an unsung hero in scripture who does not often get preached about in man months like this month has been. He doesn't, that doesn't mean what he brings to the family doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that his skills don't play a part for he had an ability to teach. He had an ability to train a skill and he had an ability to raise a man. That person is the man I speak of is Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about him today. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 said in the message, the birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph before they came to the marriage bed. And Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. In parentheses, it was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. So Joseph, chagrined but noble, we'll talk about that, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. And while he was trying to figure a way out to leave, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. And then verse 21 says, she will bring a son to birth, and when he sh she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save his people from their sins. Then Joseph woke up, and he did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. And the Bible says he named the baby Jesus. Sometime when I read scripture, I find myself stuck in the white spaces between the Bible verses. You ever do that? Preachers do. The white spaces are fertile soil for questions. Like, I can hardly read a scripture without whispering in myself. I wonder, I just wonder what really happened there. I wonder. And Joseph, especially Joseph, I've got questions for Joseph. Like, Joseph, did you and Jesus ever arm wrestle? And if you did, did he ever let you win? Because all power is given to him. <laughs> did you ever look up from your prayers and see Jesus listening? That whole water to wine thing. How often did you make him do that in your house? <laughs> You're a hard audience, but I'm going to get you. Whatever happened to the wise men, Joseph? 
Whatever, whatever happened to you, Joseph? <laughs> we don't know what happened to Joseph. His role in Act 1 is so crucial, though, that we expect to see him in the rest of the drama. But with the exception of one time, a short scene when Jesus was 12 years old at Jerusalem, he's not around. The rest of his life is left to speculation, and we're left with our questions. We know Joseph taught Jesus because he grew up to be a carpenter. And Joseph was a carpenter. He was a good father because he provided for his family, and Jesus grew up not wanting anything. Jesus never did beg, never wanted anything. He taught Jesus to take care of his, his mother even unto death. In his death on the cross, Jesus said, John, there's your mom. Mom, there's your son. Take her home, John. And as silent as Joseph seems, he still spoke with great influence. Let's clarify right now. Dads, we're more like Joseph and Marlon than we are these action heroes that have all the answers. We don't have it all figured out. The Bible said in verse 19, Joseph was chagrined but noble. He was going to quietly let Mary get out of his life and not disgrace her. That word chagrined means he was vexed. He was humiliated. He was disappointed. I love that phrase because I need that phrase, chagrined but noble. Because there's times in my fatherhood with my daughters and with my little boy that the good Lord took from me. There were times that I was vexed. I didn't know what to do. There were times that I was disappointed. There was times that I was humiliated. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to say. But I always remained noble because I knew that if I followed the word of God and if I did what God asked me to do, that God would allow my kids to grow up and be the things and the people that I wanted them to be. See, most of us are superheroes in our mind, but we're not like Marlon the Clownfish. Most men at some point in their life dream of a thousand scenarios of a bad guy coming in to try to hurt their family, hurt their wife, their kids. And they think of 27 ways that we could disarm them and render them incapacitated. You know what I'm talking about. We think of ourselves as a combination of white herb, the expendables, and whatever James Bond you liked over there. We're actually more like Joseph. We're actually more like Marlon. Because we understand that parenting is scary. Being a dad is scarier. And just when you think you have got it figured out and you've got the key to the phase of parenting that you're in, your child moves to another phase and you've lost that key. You ain't got that key. It never stops. No, I see more like Marlon the more I think about it. The truth is Joseph lost Jesus one time. He really did. Jesus was only 12 when Joseph took the family on a trip to the big city and he and Mary and the rest of the family actually loaded up the family truckster and were in full one day down the road before anyone realized, hey, we don't have Jesus with us. That resume would not look good on a Father's Day card. You left your 12-year-old in the house. How do I explain to God, Joseph could have said, that it took me three days to find his misplaced son whom I, I've been trusted with. But in the middle of your frustration, in the middle of your vexation, in the middle of your humiliation, in the middle of your disappointment, nobility still reigned. Real courage is different than what you may think it is in your mind. There is nobility in spite of questions and shortcomings. God wired a man so that from early in the womb, testosterone would send the connection between the hemispheres of our brain that would allow us this gift, our curse, 
of being able to process a situation and take emotion completely out of the equation. Women can't do that. Men can. What does courage look like for an American male today? What does it look like for an American father today? Can I preach to you? Courage is doing what's right, even when it's not easy. Or as John Wayne said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Courage is showing up. I appreciate the honesty of this text. Joseph, chagrined but noble, did the right thing. Sometimes the motivating factor that gets a father up and moving in spite of his chagrin is his desire to protect and care for his wife. Now, I'm going to talk right now, okay? You can say I've cut the preaching button off. I'm going to talk right now. I'm going to be a dad. I'll be honest with all the men here. There's something in a man that wants to lighten the load for his lady. Oh, I didn't get a lot of amens. Women, I thought you'd say amen at least. (laughs) You want to take the pressure off? So I do things. Thank you, honey. So I, do a, so I do things I'd rather not do because my love for her trumps anything else. I hate Sunday nights at my house when the kids have gone. I love it when they're there. But when they're gone, guess who gets to take the trash out? Mwah. Mwah. It would be so nice if one day one of the sons-in-laws... who are fathers also would say, Dad, just sit down there with your channel changer, your remote control. Watch the rest of that baseball game. We got it, Dad. We got it. No, we got to take the kids. We'll see you. I come in the house the other day (laughs) and I thought I'd be sweet to my wife so I just kind of rubbed her neck. She loves that. I just rubbed her neck, put my thumbs down there. She said, oh, baby, down a little bit, just down a little bit. 30 minutes later, my hands were aching, my body was tired, and I said, that'll be $100. (laughs) Verse 20 said, while he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke to him in that dream and said, Joseph, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. Again, I love the honesty of the word here. Joseph is trying to figure a way out, but God lets him know he's the man for the job. I want to tell everybody in this house today, men, you may not feel like you're qualified to be a dad, but I'm here to tell you, you are a dad. If you're a dad, you're a dad, and you've got what it takes to be a real great dad in this world. Come on. I know the movies put men up real high, and it emaciates men on television, but dad, you've got what it takes to be the best dad in all the world for your family. Come on, mom. Come on, kids. Give your dad a great hand. It's a wonderful day to be a father. Seems the most glaring absence in American culture today is the father. You believe that? Some neighborhoods, it'd be easier to have better luck searching for Elvis Presley than you would trying to find a dad fulfilling his duty. Men have become little more than sperm donors. I'm sorry. One of the most courageous acts of a man is simply taking responsibility for himself, for his family, and not leaving because life gets difficult. So many young men today have grown up in the video game culture, and when things become difficult, they just push the start over button. But when a child is conceived, you're not allowed a do-over. A courageous man leans in, not out, when life becomes more difficult. 
One word best describes a man is the word responsible. Say responsible. Men do not run from responsibility. They run to responsibility. And I'm telling you right now, America needs fathers to step up and be real men and real leaders and real husbands. Can I get a witness? Courage. Courage simply means each day you get up and show up to work and do your best. Courage means you go to your kids' recitals and ball games. Courage means you get up and get ready for church, even during hunting season and playoffs. Ooh, that didn't hit hard. Good. Courage means you work hard and bring home a paycheck no matter how small it may be. Our families become infinitely stronger when they know that daddy is not going anywhere. Courage means unloading the dishwasher. When a man takes off at work, he clocks in at home. It takes courageous men to change diapers and fix dinner. Oh, God. Help the kids with their homework, unload the dishwasher, pay bills, fold clothes, and have a good attitude while doing it. Courage means leading your family in a fractured world. That's what courage is. Let's give a hand for courage here today. Courage. That's what courage is. Hallelujah. Joseph woke up and he did exactly what God's angel commanded. Verse 24, it's on the screen. He married Mary. I think I'm going to preach right now. I think all you folks just kind of courting each other. You need to call me. I need to marry you. Oh, I just love her. I just love her. Well, let me just go ahead and fix you. I've never said that in the pulpit, but I'm ready to fix you. My name is Marion Rex. And because I preach this today, your, fu- your, your funeral, your, your wedding is free. Your wedding is free. Don't allow your misunderstandings to turn into mistakes. Don't allow what you don't know to keep you from your tomorrow. Remember, outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is our responsibility. He didn't know everything, Joseph didn't, but he did what he knew. And the greatest thing a father can do to his family is obey the voice of God and the word of God. I don't have all the answers. I really don't, folks, but I have raised some wonderful kids. I've raised some beautiful daughters, and if my son was alive today, he could whoop your kid and preach to him after he got through whipping him. I've always been kind of close to Denny in my heart. Denny's visiting today. He's not a member of our church, but he's visiting here today. My son would be his age if my son was alive. And my son was a great ball player. I was trying to tape his right arm to his side so he'd be a lefty. Denny's a lefty. I didn't mean to pick on Denny. But I'm here to tell you that God has given me the way to raise kids. And the way to raise kids is say, God, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. But I sure need you to help me. Give me something in your word. Give me something. Give me an inclination. If it's you from, from you, God, I'll follow it. I'll go with you all the way, Lord. And I'm so happy that my girls... Have kids that are in the church and all my kids want to be saved and they want to love God and live for God. I love that. I really do. I'm very happy that God has blessed me. And I may have a thing to say to you today. I don't have all the answers. I do have one answer. The only difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day is that the presents cost more on Mother's Day. I have that answer. 
I went through Father's Day last week. Thanks for the handkerchief, kids. Thanks for the tie. <laughs> we went through Mother's Day. Oh, that's beautiful dress, beautiful shoes, beautiful purse. Way to decorate mom. That's all. That's awesome. <laughs> Children need their father to be a rock. Father that leads the way God intended provides a safety to the home. He teaches his children what is right and what is wrong. He models service in the home. He points his kids each night to the light of the world. He tells his kids about Jesus. He models his faith in his interaction with neighbors and with people that don't even like him. A courageous man speaks words of encouragement to his wife each day. He listens to her. He lets her cry on his shoulder. And he makes sure the kids see a lot of display of respect, respect and affection. You may never lead an army to battle like Mel Gibson and we were soldiers. Or have the brass to moon the enemy like he did in Braveheart. But when you live each day with courage to be the man God has called you to be, you'll be the hero of your home. And there's nothing greater than being the hero of your own home. Marlon felt the fear, had more questions than answers, but he went after his son anyway. His son needs trumped his doubts and questions. That's what we do. I'm almost done. But he did not consummate the marriage, verse 25, until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. Have you ever noticed this? Now watch this now. G Joseph got naming rights. Don't miss that. Jesus entered the world through his mother, had the DNA of his heavenly father, but his earthly daddy gave him his identity. Let me tell you something, daddy. I don't care if your kid's in a hog pen, if he's a prodigal away from God. Name him today. Put a name on him called reconciled. Put a name on him called saved. Put a name on him saying he's coming home. You've got a right, Dad. God gave you those kids. Your wife bore those kids, but you have naming rights. Don't tell everybody my kid's lost and he'll never be found again. Don't you ever say that. Don't you ever say that our home will never have my son and my daughter back. Don't you ever say that. You have naming rights. You open up your mouth and say, I declare in the name of the Lord that my daughter and my son will come to the right mind and they will be saved and they will come to Jesus and they will know Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Would somebody let me preach? You've got naming rights. You've got a right. You can call him what you want to call him. Uh, hallelujah. One of the greatest compliments I can ever receive from someone about my walk and mannerisms, my humor and my values or my style of life or even my bald head is that people tell me the older I get that I remind them of my dad. Huh. Wow. I can't ever be that. My dad was so good. Such a godly man. But he didn't live it on his sleeve. He lived it in his heart. He just had such a goodness about him. Such a good heart. You never had to worry where he stood. He told you. Right now. But he was such a good guy. I've told you many things about my daddy from this kickstand theories to painting his garage floor to buying Dr. Pepper's by the six-pack. I'm not talking about six. I'm talking about six cases. They don't serve Dr. Pepper in heaven. 
Dad's going to order them. <laughs> but there's some things I learned about my dad. He told me to always treat a lady like a lady. He told me that God was first in everything. He told me to treat all people the same. Because everybody mattered. He taught me to never judge a book by its cover. He taught me to keep an eye on the ball so you'll always know where it's at. Didn't that make sense? Then there's no surprises. He told me to always provide for your family. No ifs, ands, or buts. You, you go work, son. You work. He said give grace because some days you'll need grace. Never forget your mother, he said, is my wife. And if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time, son. Then he said, make Jesus everything in your life. There's nothing you can't do when you have him. Then he said, three strikes. Don't make you out in my world, son. You're still my son. I'm going to close this message today on two, two of the greatest stories that I've ever read. They're different stories. They'll have different endings. It's just unusual that I'm going to tell these stories in connection. The first story today is a man by the name of Easy Eddie. Easy Eddie was an attorney. He was a lawyer. He was in Chicago. He, he was the attorney, the lawyer of Scarface Al Capone. Al Capone was a, was a dirty man. He was a, a mean man. He bootlegged booze, prostitution, drugs. He had all that stuff rolling in Chicago. And Easy Eddie was the man that could take care of him. He knew, he knew the connections. He had, he had insight to City Hall. He understood and he kept Al Capone out of prison for many, many years. And Al Capone rewarded him wonderfully because he put him in a beautiful home right in the middle of Chicago. It took up a whole city block and, whole city block, and he had all the amenities that he wanted. His life, his wife, his family, they had everything they wanted. His son got to drive the finest car, go to the finest school, do everything wonderfully. But Easy Eddie was living a life that he didn't want his son to live. Because there was two things living the kind of life that he did, cheating people, taking care of a hoodlum, taking care of a, a, of a criminal man. He couldn't leave his son a good name or a good example. And that's the two things he wanted to leave him. And he knew, he knew that if he didn't change his way, it would never happen. And so one day he went to the feds. I'm not want to make this story long. And he told the feds, I will testify. I'll turn state's evidence against him. He didn't really even ask for an easier sentence. He said, I've been, I've been cooking the books, but I will testify and his testimony sent Al Capone to prison with tax evasion. But he had done the right thing. It's amazing what the right thing will do. But a year later on the streets of Chicago, some of Capone's men that didn't go to prison found him and shot him down in cold blood. They killed him on the streets of Chicago. And he died young. And in his pocket, the police removed some things. He was a Catholic man. They removed a rosary. They removed a crucifix, a religious medallion, and a poem clipped from a magazine. And the poem is going on the screen, and here's what it says. The clock of life is wound but once. And no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop. At late hour or early hour, now is the only time you own. 
Live, love, toil with the will. Place no faith in time, for the clock may soon be still. And Easy Eddie died on the streets of Chicago, gunned down by a gang of men. Let me switch and tell you a great story now. His name was Lieutenant Butch O'Hare. He was a commander on the Lexington in the South Pacific during the war. And one day, his entire squadron was sent on a mission, and he got off the aircraft carrier with him, the Lexington, and he flew, and he realized when he got up in the air, he had not enough fuel left. The man that supposed to fill the tanks had not filled his tank and not topped it off. He didn't have enough fuel to get there and come back from that mission. So he turns around and he tells his squadron leader, look, I've got to go back because I don't have the gas. And they said, yes, go back. We don't want to lose you over the ocean. So he goes back and he starts heading to the Lexington. And when he starts heading back, he realizes the Japanese have a plot. They have sent 11 warplanes in behind the squadron that had left the Lexington. And they were going to bomb the fleet that these fighters, these Air, these, these air Force men or these Navy fighters had just left. And when they came in, Butch O'Hare saw the, the situation. It was too late to bring the squadron back. It was too late to tell the ships what was coming on them. He couldn't do that. So only thing he had left to do was just turn his plane into those Japanese planes and do the best he could to take them down. And that he did. And 50 caliber weapons, guns on his wings began to fire. Began to fire. And he shot down five of those Japanese planes just like that. He was awesome behind the wheel of a plane. And then when he ran out of bullets, when he ran out of ammunition, he said, well, I, I've got to keep fighting because I hadn't stopped him yet. So he started trying to clip wings or clip tail wings or clip tails, the tails of a plane, to disable them in flight and make them go down to the ocean. And they saw that there was a madman behind the stick of that American naval plane. And they turned and ran away to come back another day. And Butch O'Hare, go ahead and clap. That's good stuff. Yes, sir. And Butch O'Hare. Butch O'Hare landed a badly, badly mangled plane, plus he was wounded himself. And he was the first naval man to get a Congressional Medal of Honor for an airman. He had defended the Lexington and the fleet that was around it. And yes... You've got it right now. You understand when you fly to Chicago, there's, a, there's an airfield called O'Hare. You got it figured out. Butch O'Hare, his statue, his medal is between Terminal 1 and Terminal 2. It's named after this great Navy fighting man. But what you may not know was that Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's son. Here's the point. Dad, you can make a decision today. You may have traveled down a traverse road, a rugged road, a rugged place, and you may be lost in your own position of leadership in a home and leadership with your sons and daughters. But you can make a decision today that says, I'm going to give my kids a good name. I'm going to give my kids a good sense of balance. I'm going to give them something great in their life. Because I promise you, those kids that are in Sunday school, those kids that are in college, those kids that are around you, they're watching you every day, Dad. 
And it's not, you don't have to be Jack Bauer. You don't have to be Wyatt Earp. You don't have to be James Bond. You just have to be a daddy that has courage, that says, children, this is what we are going to do. We're going to call the name of the Lord. We're going to call on Jesus Christ. We're going to go to church. We're going to be involved. And we're going to have victory in our home. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I know you're clapping, but I just think, I think I just heard a clap from heaven. I think my dad, I think my dad might have heard me preach about him today. I didn't tell this in first service, but I just felt like dad was saying, tell him, son, tell him, tell him, son. Tell him when I laid hands on a car. When I laid hands on a car because it didn't have enough gas to get us to church. But we got to church and got home. And I, I made it. Somebody would give us $2 at church and we'd put some gas in the car to come home. Tell them, son, when we went to the refrigerator, nothing was there. And just when we'd sit down to eat, somebody would bring us groceries. Tell them, son. Tell them. Tell them that God always provided. Tell them. Oh, tell them, son, that God took care of us. Tell them, son, that we went to the house of God. We believed that God could do anything. Tell them, son. Tell them. I'm telling them, Dad. I'm sharing the good news, Daddy. And I miss him so, I miss him so bad today. But I'd like to declare that I'm Dewey Wendell Johnson's son today. And the reason I'm here is because my dad made the proper decisions when the proper decisions had to be made. And easy Eddie O'Hare made a decision one day that caused his son to want to be the man that he became. And all it takes is a little courage to find your Nemo. That's all it takes is a little courage, a little strength, a little fortitude, and never giving up on your kids. You never give up on your kids. I want everybody in this house to give our dads one more time, one great hand at the end of this month. Come on. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.